Did you hear about the guy who won big on The Price is Right by hacking the system? The internet says it's true. Welcome back. This is The Internet Says It's True. It's a podcast where every week we're going to learn something that sounds like it was made up, but it's really true. And this is part of the WCBE podcast experience. WCB is a Columbus, Ohio NPR member station. My name is Michael Kent. Welcome back. I am taking a few weeks off from new episodes. I'm on vacation, so I'm doing some rewind episodes. So some of these stories maybe you have heard in the past. Uh, Even if you've heard them in the past, maybe you want to hear them again. If not, send it to a friend. Maybe they want to learn this stuff, too. Uh, Also, thank you to all of you who are on Patreon. When you join Patreon, you get access to a bunch of stuff that non-Patreon members can't have, like videos of our guest interviews and our quick quizzes. And you can join at any level, from one to a million dollars a month. But I'm I'm just as happy with the one dollar pledges. Uh, it all helps this podcast continue, and and helps with my time and the expenses that are involved with doing this every week. And uh, all you have to do is go to Patreon.com/slash Michael Kent, and you will see how to sign up. It's super easy. Um, and while you're at it, go to the internet says it's true.com. Go buy a t-shirt so you can help support this show. I wore my internet says it's true t-shirt at Disney World last week and got a lot of weird looks. And I could see that people were questioning what it was. Uh, I hope they <laughs> hope they're listening. Anyway, uh, if you're a Patreon member, you're going to get 20% off of any merch that you see on the website. So let's get into this week's story, which was originally released in September of last year. Hi, Michael. This is Mitch in Dublin, Ohio. I wondered if you would do an episode about the guy who beat the system on The Price is Right and won. Thanks. Thanks, Mitch. I've heard about this. There's actually a documentary about it. I spent this week researching it on the internet, and then I watched the C.J. Wallace documentary, which is called Perfect Bid, The Contestant Who Knew Too Much. And it's a pretty interesting story. Retired weatherman Terry Neese had been called on down to be the next contestant on The Price is Right. He got out of contestants' row by correctly guessing the price on a big green egg smoker. When he made it to the final part of the show, the showcase, the first showcase included prizes like a karaoke machine, a pool table, and a 17-foot camper. Terry's opponent passed on the group of prizes, meaning it was up to him to guess the price without going over. A guess within $250 of the actual price would win him both showcases. The total value of the prizes was $23,743. Terry's guess? Exactly $23,743. It was the first time since 1973 that someone had guessed correctly to the dollar. But when the camera showed the show's host, Drew Carey, he wasn't smiling. Now, I don't know about you, but for me, The Price is Right is indelibly linked to staying homesick from school. It will always invoke that sense of nostalgia, being home at 10 a.m. when you shouldn't be, and feeling like you're getting away with something. The music, the colors, the stagecraft, it's all part of the image of a show that has changed very little since its first episode. The show rose to fame under its second host, Bob Barker, who hosted the show until 2007, when comedian Drew Carey took the reins. And for a show to have done so well through such a transition is saying something. It's a huge deal for a game show so iconic to pick a new host. A modern example would be the troubles that Jeopardy is currently having after the death of Alex Trebek. But The Price is Right continued to be popular and hardly changed a thing. 
The show operates based on promoted brands and prizes that have won the valuable honor to have their products bid on by the contestants. And of course, the prizes that are often the most valuable are announced with a phrase that has transcended the show. Even the show's theme song is iconic. But as the theme song played to close the show on December 16, 2008, Drew Carey and the producers were scrambling, trying to figure out what to do about Terry Nisa's perfect bid to win the showcase. And they were looking into the audience at a man named Ted Slauson. I'll tell you all about him when we come back. Are you a person who is looking to save time writing online content? Phosphor AI is an online service that will save you hours of work with your content creation. All you have to do is type in your title, and their AI software will get to work writing a high-quality original article for you. Now, of course, you'll need to review the article, take 15-20 minutes, make whatever necessary edits you need to do before publishing, but think how much quicker that is than the hour or two you'd need to write it from scratch. So you'll have extra time to listen to a couple extra podcast episodes or walk the dog or take a nap. You get three free articles just for signing up so you can try out their service, see how it works for you. The pricing is very reasonable for the quality of the content that you receive. Why would you waste your time writing content yourself when you can get Phosphor AI to do it for you? Try out their service today, see how much time you can save. Go to PhosphorAI.com, that's P-H-O-S-P-H-O-R-A-I.com, or just use the link in the show notes. When you watch the broadcast of The Price is Right from Terry Nese's Perfect Bid episode, it was in 2008, you see the show go seamlessly, perfectly straight from his bid to the announcer going through the next showcase into Drew Carey reading the actual prizes. But in reality, the show taping had halted for a few minutes while executive producer Mike Richards and Kathy Greco, who had the official price lists, met with Carey to explain that something was up. He had bid the exact right amount, something that was seemingly impossible. Terry, at the trailer, jukebox, bid $23,743. Actual retail price, $23,743. You got it right on the nose. You went both showcases. They considered the idea that maybe he had been cheating, but they also had an idea of what was going on and they were looking at a man in the front of the audience wearing a blue shirt. His name was Ted Slauson, and they knew who he was. Ted Slauson is a man who was a super fan of The Price is Right. He was so famous to the cast and crew of the show and to other Price is Right super fans that people he didn't know would call him by name as he was lined up to enter the show. Slauson was such a fan of the show that he knew the prizes of the items in the showcase. He remembered seeing those same prizes on previous shows, and he was loudly yelling and holding up fingers to convey the prices from his place in the audience to Terry Nice on stage. There was another controversy that the show had just undergone. You know, I mentioned Jeopardy earlier. The man who was set to be host of Jeopardy and then had his offer rescinded was Mike Richards, the same Mike Richards who, in 2008, had just replaced Roger Dobkowitz. Roger had been the executive producer of The Price is Right for 35 years and was loved by fans of the show. But as Bob Barker retired, changes were being made, and one of those was a new producer. 
Between Mike Richards and his new host, Drew Carey, subtle things were changing on the show. And these superfans, just like any superfans, did not like the changes. So as Kathy Greco and Mike Richards heard Ted Slauson loudly yelling the prices to Terry on stage, they immediately connected those dots. To them, this was a fanatic who was angry that Roger had been replaced. Maybe he was even sent by Roger, they thought. Drew was angry. He's a new host on this popular show, and now, if the show was corrupt, he was thinking it's the end of his reign as new host. He recalled asking Kathy, there's no way this is going to air, right? And she replied, I don't know how it could. But there was a major problem with that. Terry Neese, and Ted Slauson for that matter, hadn't done anything illegal or wrong. The show encourages the audience to yell out their guesses. If Slauson was guilty of anything, it was watching the show too much. It turns out the suspicions about Slauson being angry about the producer change weren't accurate. He just wanted to see Terry win. And we know this because Slauson was just doing what he had been doing since he first started showing up to tapings in 1989. Theodore Slauson watched the show from the time he was a boy, and between 1989 and 1992, he attended more than 20 live tapings of the show. He recorded every show and kept a spreadsheet that recorded every prize and its value. Slauson made his living developing standardized testing and used those skills to build a computer program that allowed him to study his spreadsheet of prizes. When he would attend the show, he loudly shouted out the prizes to the contestants. Several times, Bob Barker would interact with Ted during the show. He definitely knew who he was, and when Ted got onto the show in 1992, Bob saw him and said, Theodore, you made it! And then he told the audience, Theodore has been a loyal friend and true. On that particular game, Theodore didn't make it past the showcase showdown to make it into the showcase. But he continued showing up. And in 2008, he was in the audience doing what he had always done. Now, if you talk to Terry Neese about his win, he claims he didn't hear Slauson giving the prices. He claims that he and his wife also kept spreadsheets of prices and memorized them. He claims that the 743 in his bid of 23743 was from their anniversary and his wife's birth month. Terry and his wife were statisticians and loved numbers. He had worked in casinos busting card sheets. I say all this to say that it's totally plausible that he did it on his own. But according to Drew Carey, everyone knew that Slauson was yelling the prices. They even had to edit the show to remove Slauson several times. As many of you know, I'm a professional magician. And there's a theory in magic called the too perfect theory. It's the idea that if something is fake and you're trying to make it look real, it can't be perfect. It would be like if you committed a crime and made up an alibi to the police, but then started describing every person you saw on every car you passed in perfect detail. It would be too perfect and not believable. For this reason, you might see a mind reader or a magician mess up a small detail on purpose here or there. And the same goes for this game show. The only reason anyone knew that it wasn't a normal taping of the show was because Terry guessed the number on the nose. Had he guessed 23,500, he still would have won and nobody would have thought any different. The main problem was that The Price is Right was recycling the same prizes for the same prices for way too long. There wasn't enough variation. After the December 16, 2008 show, this all changed. They expanded the ranges of prizes to make it virtually impossible for anyone, no matter how good their memory, to be able to guess the prices. 
The example that Drew Carey gives is you could have the same car four days in a row, but with four different trim packages, and the price could be anywhere from $20,000 to $25,000. So if you're an aspiring game show contestant, you have a good memory, and you plan on bringing the prices right down the way that Terry Nice and Ted Slauson did, you just might be hearing this instead. Now it's time for the part of the podcast where I call a friend, and today I'm calling Christian Carrion. Let me tell you about this guy. I met him a long time ago when he was in college and I was performing in colleges. I remember him being very charismatic and memorable, and I've been following his Facebook since then, and I've watched him to go on to be a contestant on at least six different game shows, including The Price is Right, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, and Match Game with Alec Baldwin. He helps run the popular game show website Buzzerblog and knows more than just about anyone I know on the topic. He also is the host of his own podcast, Stranger Than Christian. Christian, carry him! Come on now! Hey, Christian, how you been? Excellent. Mike, I feel like it has been at least 10 years since we have spoken face-to-face. I met you at a college-like um conference when i thought yeah. that's what i wanted to do event planning and things yeah and and, and we hit it off it was amazing um, sure and i'm pretty time sure seeing you in person it has been a while and I, didn't i come to your college also and do a show i don't remember if you came to my college i remember it was at it was some it was somewhere in connecticut yeah and it was one of those conferences where everybody gets together and you know decides what they want to program for the year sure and i remember you and i had talked about comedy and performing and you know back then that's what i wanted to do i wanted to be in stand up or perform somehow and i still have that a little bit in me but um yeah we talked a lot about that and i remember you had said if anybody at the school ends up booking you you'll have me as the opener and that like lit a fire under my ass. I was like, oh, like I, I could meet people and they can just say things like that. And I can, you know, <laughs> so it, it never happened, you know, because I ended up actually leaving the, 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 the planning board like the year after, but it was just so cool to talk to somebody at that point who was doing what I wanted to do. And they were like receptive to conversation. So that was, uh, it was very I'm- memorable for me. I, I appreciate that, that you remember that. And I'm always receptive to, uh, I'm, I'm always willing to help people who say they, they want to do a thing and at least keep them from wasting their time doing the wrong steps and maybe point right. them towards some of the right steps. And the, uh, the advice I give everyone, especially about stand-up comedy, is you just, you've got to be comfortable with people not liking you and because that's going to happen. And it takes so much stage time. Um, now, what was the very first game show you were on? So the first one I was on, this was when I had turned 18. So the year I turned 18, or the year after, Bob Barker had announced he was retiring from The Price is Right. And this was a big deal for me because this was one of the shows that I had grown up on. You know, I've been watching this kind of TV my whole life. And so I told my parents for my birthday that year, all I wanted was the airfare to go see The Price is Right before he retired. He was retiring in June of 07, and I went in May. So I made it maybe less than a month before he was out. And I said, just get me the airfare. I know every, I know where I'm going. I know what I need to do. Um, I will come back successful. Just help me make that happen. And they did. And so that was the first show I was on. I waited in line for three days out in the parking lot of CBS in Los Angeles. Whoa. They let me in. They called my name. I did the thing. I won. I, it was unbelievable. So that was the first one was The Price is Right. Yeah. I've driven by that uh, studio. I know exactly where you're talking about. I think they 
they shoot Judge Judy there now, or at least they did for a long time. Uh, they yeah, there's Judge a lot Judy. of stuff. I met, actually, that was my first time. You know, so other than being on the show, which was an experience in and of itself, that was the first time I had ever in person met people who were into what I was into, because I'm a huge TV broadcasting game show radio nerd. And so all of my experiences talking to people who also like that kind of thing uh, was online, was, 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 was uh, you know, text-based. So being able to meet people who were about it the way I was about it was as transformative as being on the show. So we spent hours talking about like, oh my God, you imagine all the stuff that's been in this building. And so that was a huge topic of conversation while we were in line. That's amazing. The questions that I have prepared for you today, Christian, are are either going to be so easy that I look like an idiot for thinking that they were hard, or maybe I'll actually stump you. I don't know. The first one is about the show's topic, so you don't know what the show is about yet. For this first question, we're playing for doing the laundry. So if you get it wrong, you've got to do a load of laundry immediately after this recording. If you get it right, I'll go do the laundry. Does that sound good? Thanks for high. Yeah, let's do it. I came with nothing, Mike. (laughs) (laughs) I am unbelievably nervous, but let's go. The first question is simple. Who is Theodore Slauson? So here are your three options. A, he was famously kicked off a million-dollar pyramid for using sign language. B, he memorized the prices of commonly used items on the prices right and yelled those numbers from the audience. Or C, he snuck in magnets to control the wheel and Wheel of Fortune. I think it's B. I think he's the guy who memorized the prices because I, I remember, and this is, I have some personal experience here going back years, there was a message board that was like dedicated to the prices, right? I think it's still around. I'm not on there anymore. But this guy was a f- frequent poster on this message board. And he was actually on the show years ago and made this little cottage industry for himself out of sitting in the audience for the show and helping people guess the prices. And so he had like this spreadsheet of everything they had ever given away and how much it was and when they'd given it on what date. And so he was an insane man. And that's my (laughs) guess. I think it's B. I think he's the guy. That's Ted. You are correct. That's Ted. That's the famous Ted from The Price is Right. The guy who knows all these answers uh, or all these, you know, the used to know. Of course, now uh, in Drew Carey's Second year, halfway through the first year, they started, uh, they realized this was a problem. They started adding variables on each prize, so there's no way you could do it anymore. Our story is about Ted and his help uh, when he helped Terry Neese to get the perfect bid on the showcase. Um, So that was the story. I have to go and do the laundry after this. No problem. You got it right. I need to do some laundry after we're done. Heavy starch on the college shirts, please. Heavy starch. Okay, sounds good. <laughs> not your laundry. I've got to do my laundry. Oh, I thought we were doing some sort of no. I'm not sort of shipping. I'm, exchange I'm not here. getting in the car and dri- driving to Pennsylvania, my friend. No. Uh, well, maybe next. Maybe next question. <laughs> question two. For this question, we are playing for thirty-five thousand dollars in Kent coin, which is a cryptocurrency that I just made up. Fantastic. So jumping on the ship early. Which one of these was an actual showcase prize on Bob Barker's very first Price is Right in 1972? A. A pet goldfish. B. A cotton candy machine. Or C. A box of linoleum tiles. So I've seen this episode. I know it's not a goldfish. Because he was very uh, animal activist. Kind of. He was very anti-animal. 
abuse. I'm pretty sure that it's C. It's a box of linoleum tile. That was really popular, in the set, especially on game shows. They gave that away a lot. You are correct. It is C, a awesome. box of linoleum tiles. And we look at that now and we think that is a horrible prize. But yeah, back then, that was a big deal. You know, linoleum everything. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, now, you mentioned that Bob Barker, you know, he was very famously a pet advocate. And there's a story about why he didn't like that very first episode to be aired. Do you know? This is just a bonus question on number two. Do you know why that is? I think I might know. And I think it also has to do with the with the reason why you never see it re-aired anymore. Um, I'm pretty sure the first thing they ever gave away was a fur coat. And he You're was right. very famously yeah, anti-fur. The very That's why he dropped first... the Miss Universe pageant, I think, in the 80s. Yeah, it's, it's the very first uh, prize for people to bid to come on to get on the show. Uh, is the very first prize of the show is a fur coat. And so Bob didn't like that. And he said, I don't want this to air anymore. But you can find this. It is available on the Internet if you're sleuthy and if you're able to. Oh, yeah. Uh, and he was way ahead of the curve on that, because, I mean, back then, how many shows didn't give away a fur coat? He was the first one to sort of absolutely. put his foot down on that. Absolutely. You have just won thirty five thousand dollars in Kent coin. Um, and. Now, what's the exchange rate on that? Uh, it's similar to the exchange rate of Stanley Nichols to Shroot Bucks. You're not, you're Fair. not, a, you're not okay. a fan of The Office, are you? Are you? Oh, a, I'm a huge oh, okay. Office fan. I'm okay. just, I'm just doing the math. You're doing the head. math in your head. Oh, I see. <laughs> yeah, right. You just, you, you gave me a look like, what are you talking about, Michael? It's a cryptocurrency, but we don't use any sort of electronics when we issue it. It's just issued by my memory. So I just, it's kind of like an old style credit system. So I like, I remember that you own $35,000 in Kent coin. Okay, so cool. It's just in your memory bank. Yeah, it's it's secure. Okay. No one can break into here. But also, um, if I happen to forget about it, then I, I'm not liable. This is genius. I need to, I need, I need to get into this cryptocurrency. I'm thing. in a weird mood today, Christian. I am rambly <laughs> just making <laughs> okay. stuff up. That's okay. Question three. Uh, for this question, we are playing for a coveted The Internet Says It's True sticker. You can only get these am, on this show. They're very hard to come by, and they stick on things. I am all about that. Huge okay. sticker fan. Let's, let's do it. So The Price is Right has a notoriously difficult-to-understand game called The Check Game. Due to a copyright violation, the game's original name couldn't be used. Which one of these was the original name? A. Checks and Balances. B. Checks Marks the Spot. Or C. Blank Check. Okay, so I, I'm, I'm familiar with the game because I'm one of the few people who actually like that game. It, it is very complicated, but I like that it's complicated. Um, algebra doesn't have enough of a place in game shows these days. <laughs> um, and I've seen the show about which this question is. So in the in mid-70s, there was a game show called Blank Check on NBC, which was, it was, a, 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 it was a ridiculous show. It was supposed to be based around the idea of ESP, but essentially what you were doing was picking a number from one to nine and hoping that somebody else would not guess the number that you were holding in front of you. And it was that repeated for half an hour. Oof. They had a copyright on the term blank check. So around the time that the, the show came out with this game blank check, there was a threat of legal action. So they changed it to check game, which I think is a perfectly fine name in and of itself, but I'm pretty sure it's blank check. You are correct. My gosh, you are killing this. I knew you would. I knew you I, would. I listen. This is this is my life for better or worse. This is your wheelhouse that we're in today. <laughs> it, Welcome to Christian's really wheelhouse. <laughs> you were on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire with Meredith Vieira. I was. 
I was. That was actually the year that we met was when I did that show. Oh, is that um, right? My freshman year of college. That, that's a great, I advise that as a, an excellent way to start a career at a college, <laughs> get on a game show. <laughs> that was, I was the most popular person on campus for at least three weeks. It was fantastic. That's amazing. You were just known yeah. as the, uh, the guy from Millionaire. Yeah, until I got tired of it, and then I wasn't, <laughs> which is perfectly fine, because everyone else got tired of it, too. You did pretty well on the show. You ended up with, what, 15 grand? 15 grand, yeah. I walked away from a question about uh, Scandinavian geography, and I had no I, lifelines left that I wanted to use. So. I recently went back and rewatched your episode, and I, did, I, I would have done the exact same thing if I didn't have any more lifelines, and if I didn't, I, I wouldn't have known that one. And I actually had to look it up. It was, uh, how do you get from uh Copenhagen to Stockholm I believe right which, what body which, of which water. body of water would you and, and and the answer is the Baltic Sea but I had to look on a map to to figure that out so and it's funny because if I had had if I had been on any other season I would have just stayed there and taken my time and maybe, and maybe tried to figure it out I was on the only season where the questions were timed so I had 30 seconds to oh. come up with the answer to it wow um and all the all the music they add afterwards. So in the in the studio, all you hear is this like tick, 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 and three hundred people standing around you watching you. It's kind of hard to envision a, a, a map of the world but under those conditions. That's incredible. You're gonna get a sticker. I got a in the sticker, mail. right? Absolutely. I am genuinely excited about this. That's I'm telling you, I have a hydro flask covered in stickers, and that is going to be well, in a prominent spot on my water bottle. In that case, I'm also going to give you. Tell me what to Google. This is the former name oh. of this podcast. So this podcast for the first season was called Tell Me What to Google. And because Whoa. of the fact that it is really, really difficult to get any sort of search engine ranking when you have Google in your title, it changed it right. after the first one. So I do have, still have some of those stickers. So I'll give you one of those too. Cool. Which is a fun. So that's a rare boy. It's a rare, yeah. There's once this stack of them, and I've been giving them out here and there, but once this stack is gone, there are no more of those. Thank you so much. Oh, you're I'm, I'm, so I swear to God, I'm really excited about this. That's awesome. Uh, I, I, you might be the very first guest I've ever had who's excited about the sticker question. Really? So, oh, man. All about stickers. That's, perf that's perfect. Question four. For this question, we are playing for an embarrassing story. So if you get it right, I'll tell you an embarrassing story. If okay. you get it wrong, you have to tell me one. Cool. Bob Barker okay. was not the original host of The Price is Right. Which one of these people hosted the show from 1956 to 1965? Was it A, Bill Cullen, B, Bob Eubanks, or C, Ralph Edwards? Again, we're sort of in my area of expertise here. And um, one of the people who's considered to be like the great, one of the greatest game shows, if not the greatest of that era, you know, the 50s through the 80s, was a, a guy named Bill Cullen. So he was the original host of the show on NBC. Then it went to ABC. Um, and he has the record, if I'm not mistaken, for like the most game shows hosted by a single person. I think it's something like 30 different shows. Um, but he was an incredible host. He was so fun, so funny. Um, and yeah, I think that was his biggest hit throughout his career was the original Price is Right. You are once again correct. I will tell you an embarrassing story. Um, and just a little bit more information for our listeners. I'm sure you know this stuff, Christian, but Bob Eubanks hosted the newlywed game at that time. And Ralph Edwards hosted a show called To Tell the Truth. So all three men were popular game show hosts at the time, but Bill Cullen had the original NBC version of The Price is Right. All right. So this is a story about when I was in college, and this is one that I'm sure I have not told on any of my shows. 
I I was an honor student at at the Ohio State University, and what that meant was basically I could either do a thesis to graduate to get an honors degree and a degree with honors. Or the other way, if you didn't want to do a thesis, was you could just take honors level classes. So you would take like biology 101. And then instead of taking biology 201 or 102 or whatever the next one was, you would take like biology H102 or H201, which was the exact same information, but just a harder course load. And I didn't like that idea, but I wanted to run that track. So another option was you could take these like 500 level graduate courses in whatever that was. So you would take like, so I took Astronomy 101, which I loved. Instead of taking H102, I took Astronomy 500 something. And I got there and and this was my very last semester of college. I just needed this credit and I was going to pass. I I had pretty much had all my credits. I needed this. This was my very last, we, we were on the quarter system at Ohio State back then. And I got into the class and it was quantum physics. It was math that was way, way, way over my head. And I was so embarrassed, but I didn't want to drop it. I would decide I was going to try to learn it and try to. And he's literally going over talking about like Einstein's theory of relativity in a way that it almost made sense to me. You know, stuff that's just I didn't have the math. I've never been a big math guy. I didn't have the math requirements. I should not have been in that class. So we had to give our, our final exam was a um, oral presentation to the class. And everyone was doing these, these topics where, I mean, literally to understand what's happening, the rest of the class is sitting there with a pencil and paper, like doing math problems. You know what I mean? Like it was, it was really intense, but I, that was just way over my head. And so what I did was I went to the office hours with the guy and I said, um, this is over my head. I've been trying the entire quarter. I've been here. I'm trying to pass so I can graduate, but I think you know that I just don't have the math background, but I don't want to give up. I want to try, and I don't know what to do for this final, uh, this, this oral final in front of the class, and he said, just try your best. So my best, what I did was I wrote a 10-minute stand-up comedy routine about space, <laughs> and that's what I did oh instead God. of my project, <laughs> and I got a C minus, I think, in that class, and I passed, so I graduated. <laughs> That's amazing. (laughs) So I decided to just completely blow off the topic and because I didn't understand it and I just did space jokes for for you. So with your permission, I just for a second, I'd like to bring this possibly to another level of embarrassment. Do you remember any of the jokes that you told? I don't. I'm sorry. I I would have been an amazing moment, but I don't. That would have been incredible. Wow. I, I know that it was many of them were jokey jokes, you know, like joke book type jokes. It was a lot sure, of that. Sure, sure, um, And But it, there was some stand-up, uh, and I, I believe I even talked about during the routine about how I didn't know what I was talking about. I didn't know what I was doing, and I was way in over my head. So, very embarrassing. The star was born in more ways than one. <laughs> That's right. That's right, man. Uh, you were on the match game with Alec Baldwin. I was. That was a lot of fun. So that was, wow, two years ago already. And I, and I went to, I went to, uh, to ABC in New York for that. Um, got to meet a lot of celebrities. It was, it was an unbelievable experience. That's, that's so awesome. I'm a big Alec Baldwin fan. So, and you were on against, uh, or you were on alongside Mario Cantone, who's very funny. Yes. He, he almost won me the big money, but, um, yeah, he was, he was unbelievable. He was so much fun to talk to. And yeah, we talked about all kinds of stuff during the commercials and even Alec was 
so much fun to be around. Oh, it's great to hear. That's great to hear. I love it when I hear that celebrities are are not jerks and they're personable. And oh they're yeah, no, definitely to not to me. No, absolutely not. It's good. So this last question is question five, and this is for all the marbles. So if you get this wrong, I am banning you from the show never to be asked on again. Uh, if you get it right, I would love to have you on the show sometime. And maybe we can find a topic that's not in your wheelhouse so you don't knock it out of the park like you have today. Okay. I listen. So if I get banned, do I still get the stickers? Yeah, you still get all the prizes that I still you've get won. Them. This isn't like an okay. all or nothing thing. Yeah, we've you you so far have won everything, which means you haven't had to do your dishes. You get a sticker, you got an embarrassing story, and you won $35,000 in the cryptocurrency Kent coin, which I just made up. So I'm a winner either way, but I will look at the stickers and cry and fondly remember my time on the show. Yeah. yeah. And know that it'll never happen again. That's correct. That's good. If I lose. Is that, All right, you, let's go. Is that, did you tell Meredith Vieira the same thing? Yeah, the same thing. I said, I will, I will look at this sticker and cry and fondly remember. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> this one. Okay, here we go. This is a question actually we've asked for the last two weeks, and I really like this question. I love the answers. So we're going to stick with it. What piece of advice would you give to a 17-year-old Christian Carrion? You know, thinking about who I was and thinking about how in the past few years, the past year in particular, my priorities have shifted a bit. I think I would tell 17-year-old me to calm down. It's going to work out. You don't always have to say something back. Let the silence speak for itself. Let other people say what they want to say. Um, yeah, just, just, just take it easy, man. It's going gonna, it's gonna to make sense. It's all going to make sense. I love that answer. We'll call that a, a correct answer. And I'd be happy to have you back on the show. Christian, you went five for five today. And I don't have a special noise for that. But I've been thinking about this. So I think that uh, after this, we will add in a special noise. And you can be the initial person. So here's the special noise when people get five for five. You did it! Congratulations! There it is. There's the noise. So in the future, anytime... That was a beautiful sound. Yes. Anytime... That, <laughs> Anytime that, that uh, anyone gets five for five, that's the sound that we'll do. Uh, thank you so much for coming on. Now, before I let you go, you have started a podcast the last few years called Stranger Than Christian. Tell us about what that is, and, and maybe some of our listeners might be interested in this. Yeah, you know, I'm a people person at the end of the day, and uh, the isolation that I felt during lockdown brought about this idea that I had a couple years ago. You know, I wanted to start a podcast where... I just have conversation with people for the first time. And so that's what I did. It's called Stranger Than Christian. Every episode is me having an unscripted, unrehearsed conversation with a complete stranger from somewhere around the world. And I did a few last year and I, you know, the reception was nice. Fast forward a year later, it's been listened to over 20,000 times. I've talked to people from 60 different countries. Um, it's just been an unbelievable experience. And I've met so many people that I wouldn't have had a chance to ever meet or talk to otherwise um so yeah stranger than christian every saturday morning on all the major streaming services stranger than christian.com uh and yeah that's been one of the highlights of this past year for me is being able to talk to all these people now how do you find these people so originally i posted on all the podcasting subreddits and yes. i said you know i'm looking for guests because the strategy was that anybody i talked to would have a really good microphone so it would just <laughs> it would they sound would, good they would have a good um, idea of how to record themselves Right, right, right. And so I didn't know what kind of reach it would get, you know, but people all over the world respond. I have a brief questionnaire people fill out who, you know, what's your name? How old are you? Where are you from? 
Um, and anything, anything you want to tell about me, if you don't want to say anything about yourself to me, that's fine. We'll, we'll talk about it later. Um, but yeah, hundreds of people filled this thing out and, um, yeah, it's just been an unbelievable experience. That's great. Stranger than Christian. Go ahead and search for that wherever you're listening. And, uh, it's been a pleasure to see you again, man. After 10 years, Mike, it has been a pleasure to see you too. This is an unbelievable continuation of our friendship arc. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, <laughs> I hope to see more from you in the future uh, and, and have a great week. You as well. Keep killing it, man. Thank you. Well, that is our show for this week. Thank you so much to Mitch for the show topic and to Christian Carrion for being my guest. Tell them what they've won, Johnny Olson. Thank you for listening to The Internet Says It's True. Don't forget to join up on Patreon if you want to see the unedited video of the guest appearance or to hear bonus episodes. You can do that at patreon.com slash Michael Kent. Also, if you learned something that you didn't already know from the show, please visit iTunes and leave us a review with five stars and a few words. That's the rule. You gotta do it. That helps us a ton because that's how the algorithm works to get the podcast suggested to more people. And that way we can keep learning something new if the internet says it's true. The Internet Says It's True would like to thank the Patreon subscribers whose monthly contributions help make this show possible. Sean Brown, Catherine Morgan, Taylor Hurt, Tony Ford, Bryce Swanson, Eugene Anderson, Matt McVeigh, Jim Martin, Joanne Martin, and the show's official Emperor Kick Track. The show is written and produced by me, Michael Kent. The theme song is by Finite Music Forge, and additional music this week was from Quinsas Morera. All audio clips in this episode are used for education and commentary and used under Fair Use Title 17 USC Section 107. You can listen to past episodes by searching for The Internet Says It's True wherever you get your podcasts, and you can see bonus content at patreon.com slash Michael Kent.